0: Hey, this is Andy Jenkins and welcome to the Warrior Hope Podcast episode number, this is lucky number 13. Okay, so strange title for this one, If You Drink. I'll come back to that in just a second, I promise. Now, this one is with my friend, Chris Turner. Chris is a singer-songwriter from 96 South Carolina. That's actually the name of what you might envision like as you start hearing him tell the story. It's like, it seems like it would be back in the day a one horse town. Traffic light, not lights, singular, not plural. Uh, Chris is from there and for the purposes of what we're talking about today, he's a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps. Now, I first met him a few years ago at the first Songs of Hope event that Crosswinds hosted. Songs of Hope, it's an event where Crosswinds, we we really created that to generate awareness about veterans and post-traumatic stress and moral injury. What happens is veterans are matched with singer-songwriters. The singer-songwriters put the stories that the veterans share to music, and it is absolutely incredible. In fact, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes where you can just follow that to the YouTube playlist and listen, look at, and then even share off with some of your friends some of the stories that the veterans share. Well, at that event where we, at the event we basically showed the video of the story, four to five minutes, and then the songwriter comes out and shares the song for the first time ever that was written in about a one week span of time, many times written there right while the person is sharing the story. Well, Chris performed at the beginning of the show in concert fashion and since then, we've talked with Chris about partnering and doing some other incredible things that I promise you will bring him back and we'll talk about that in another future episode. Now, while in the military, Chris served as a field wire communications specialist. He was stationed at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and then he found his way to 29 Palms, California, and then overseas, all the way over to Okinawa, Japan, and Pahong, Korea. He made his way to Nashville in May of 2010. Now he says this, driving in on I-24, I can remember saying to myself, that is a big town. If you've ever been there, you kind of see that it is. You see that Batman looking building and you see kind of all the other skyscrapers. You see the stadium off in the distance and it's, it's kind of can be overwhelming, especially if you're thinking, I'm going to go there and try to make it. So Chris is thinking that's a big town. That's a lot of people. Where do I even begin? He would soon learn that Nashville is the biggest, smallest town in the industry, though, and the biggest, smallest town in the country. He said this, Nashville's a town where everyone seems to know everyone. I was told early on, be careful, because you never know who you're talking to. So, you know, in that sense, you've got to honor everybody. And, and goodness, it, isn't that just a truth to take with you anywhere, everywhere you go? So he began playing, small restaurants, little coffee shops with his guitar. He began the journey. He says this, he says, I can remember performing in a cafe north of town for two hours for two people. Think about that. Go to the big city to make it two hours for two people. He made $3 in tips that night. He says, I still carry those three dollars in my guitar case to remind me of my first gig in town and how much of a reality check it was. Now, as time passed, the audiences grew, as well as the depth of Chris's music. And, And here's why he's here. He's not only a fantastic musician, not not only a veteran, but. He combines those things and he writes a lot about his service as well as circumstances and situations that veterans faced. So the title of this podcast, If You Drink, he wrote it and I titled the talk, If You Drink, because the video that features Randy Couture, you know, the MMA fighter. In fact, Chris is doing some fundraising with Randy Couture that Crosswinds is part of and sponsoring. Anyway, he says, I wrote it because it targets the struggles that vets deal with when suffering from PTSD. The imagery, the lyrics, they vividly show, if you're watching it, how one vet chooses to deal with this fight. And So rather than drinking your sorrows away, which a lot of people admittedly do, rather than going downhill, his song communicates this, hey, come, sit with us, walk this thing out together. If you drink, come drink one with us. Here's my friend talking all about his story, that song and more, Chris Turner. Okay, I'm here in the Crosswinds office. I've got Bob Walter with me in person and via Zoom, we've got Chris Turner. So Chris, go ahead and say something so everybody gets your voice so they know who you are. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? Yeah, there you go. Okay, so now they can tell the difference between me and you. We tell nothing alike. And then Bob's in here. Bob, go ahead and let them hear you. They've they've hurt you before. Oh right? yeah, they've heard me, but uh,
1: you yeah, know they may not recognize me. I'm just excited to spend some time with Chris. Chris is a, uh, Chris and I go back a few years, and uh, and he's a he's a he's a great friend.
0: Okay, uh, one, of, one of my best buds. So well, I'm glad to be on the show with him. Well, fill us in on that. How did you guys? How did how did you guys get connected? What was the connection between? Because Chris is a veteran. I'll let you tell your story there and a musician how, how did you guys get connected yeah let me tell
1: on <laughs> yeah let me tell the front end and then chris can fill in but typically you know my connections with veterans who have become really involved with what we're doing has been through our films uh that they you know were part of the film or whatever chris was a little bit different chris had uh uh seen the film and he has a friend and he would tell you more about his buddy up there in uh, the Nashville area, um, uh, Dave DeMay, but uh, you know they had seen the film and they had this idea for a uh, more or less a, uh, a promotional uh, company uh, and they had, had a great name for it called Red, White and Boots and they had an idea about putting on productions or shows where they can incorporate some of our film into it to go out and help promote awareness about PTSD and uh, moral injury. And so through that, he connected with me and I went up to Nashville and uh, met with him and just uh, saw what a great you know heart that both of those guys had uh, to to be involved in helping veterans. And that really comes from Chris being a Marine. And I'll let you tell more about the story there, Chris, about the background for Red, White and Boots and, how y'all came up with that.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, we, the, the way it happened is I was running one morning, you know, and a lot of people may or may not be familiar with my new American made project that I just put out as, as a musician and as an artist. But during this whole time frame, you know, I've always wanted to give back to the veterans with me being a Marine and, and trying to do my service after the uniform. Right. So, uh, I was running one morning on the treadmill and I was thinking of, you know, how I could start a tour. And do the production, and uh, Dave and I had talked back and forth about it, and I I just got this vision. I was like, man, this vision popped in my head called Red, White, and Boots because whenever I'm running, it's running or exercising is the only hour of the day that I can just get completely inside of my head to where I'm just completely focused and I I can think.
0: Yeah, I get so I got that.
2: this idea. I ran it by Dave. What's that?
0: Yeah, I get that. It you you're not interrupted. Your blood's flowing. Yeah, creativity. Oh yeah.
2: So I reached out to Dave and Dave was like, yeah, man, that's really cool. I was like, I got this vision for it, man. I just, I I see this flag and I see a pair of combat boots. He's like, well, you know what, man, what we need to do is you got to think about it. It's more than just when you talk about red, white, and boots or red, white, and blue, it's more than just the military. He's like, what about the police officers and the first responders? And I'm like, that's freaking brilliant, man. You know, that way we can not only, gear it towards the military but also the first responders and all those guys who who work on a daily basis to keep us safe so that's where we got that and like bob said we had had a mutual contact and jt cooper and jt cooper introduced dave and myself to bob yeah and uh bob came up and we sat down and we talked about it and uh you know i, I think at the particular time it was still in the infancy stage so we it, it was something that took a couple two or three years to where we had to uh, to, uh, turn that infant into a baby to where it can start crawling. And thankful to Crosswinds Foundation for allowing us to be a part of it. And it really means the world to me, Bob, that you guys are, are allowing us to take this brand and do what we do because, you know, after the uniform, I mean, it's one thing to serve, but the true question is, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. So we never leave a man on the battlefield. So for me, it's like wanting to be able to give back and and help any way I can, you know, because it's just what we're supposed to do as the human race, if you will.
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, Andy, how sometimes you just meet somebody and just hit it off right away. And and that's the way it was with Chris. When I met Chris, it was like a kindred spirit. Um, You know, we talked through this whole idea of uh, red, white, and boots, but then we went and had some Mexican food. And then I knew we were kindred spirits because, <laughs> because we right. we did our share of eating uh, there. But it, just a great time spending that, and immediately just connected, and um, you know have been uh, friends and, and partners and working through Red, White, and Boots ever since then. And so it's been a it's been a great uh, blessing and an asset uh, for what we're doing. So I I feel the same way, uh, Chris. I'm uh, grateful to have you as part of our team here at Crosswinds.
2: Well, all right checks in the mail Bob all
0: right so I, I, I want to come back I want I want to come back to some of the things you're doing like what's next you know with the red white and boots what's next with the American made project some of those things but tell tell us uh how how and why did you sign up register enlist go into the military
2: well you know that that's a uh that is a story in itself. You know. Whenever I was growing up, I, I come from a little town called 96 South Carolina. We got two red lights, a Hardy's and a Piggly, which the Hardee's burned down. And I think they're replacing it with a Burger King now, but we were small. We had high school football and there wasn't really a whole lot to do in my hometown. So, you know, outside of going out and partying on dirt roads and throwing bonfires, it's like, man, you know, it's either that, or I'm going to be driving a log truck the rest of my life. And, you know, Stretching barbed wire, slinging square bells of hay. I just thought that I that I wanted to do something more than that. And I've always, you know, since I was a teenager, I've still got the folder to where I would just write. You know, I didn't know how to play guitar at the time. I didn't learn how to play guitar until I joined the Marine Corps. But I would just write, like, uh, poems and what I thought might be able to be songs. And I still got the folder, and I go back and look at it from time to time. And uh, so I've, I've always felt like that, You know, one, I wanted to be in Nashville, but two, I knew I had to get out of the the hometown. And whenever I was coming up, we didn't really have a whole lot. So I knew if I was ever going to leave, I was going to have to join the military. And my dad looked at me one time and he's like, son, if you got any sense about you whatsoever, you'll join the military and go off and spread your wings. So I was like, well, if I'm going to join, I'm going to join what I tend to think is the coolest and the baddest branch of them all. And if I can make it great, if I can't, I can't. So I joined the Marine Corps, and uh, you know, for me, I tell everybody, you know, you have the day you was born, but the day that I was truly born was August twenty second, nineteen ninety seven. That's the day I graduated boot camp, because your whole life leading up to that point, after you become a Marine, is just like it's 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 still relevant, but you don't really the Marine Corps with boot camp. It teaches you how to grow up really really fast, and that's what it did for me. And uh
0: Well will talk about owe, that. explain that a little bit before you go on. Like what what is some what are what's something that you know if I'm just saying that like, I really
2: took from it?
0: Yeah, yeah, explain that. Like explain like what you took from boot camp.
2: Well what I took for it was I learned how to be disciplined. I okay. learned how, you know, once you're assigned a mission, nothing else matters. You see the hill, you take the hill. You know, you carry on no matter how tough it is, no matter how hard it is. And that's where I get a lot of my drive from today. You know, I also learned about teamwork. I learned about having brothers, camaraderie, integrity, uh, just what I like to call the founding staples of just – of of my internal being. being. How to never leave a man behind, always operate as a team. You know what I mean? So, I think for me – and I played sports in school. I played high school football, you know, baseball, soccer, basketball, all that stuff. But For me, the the level of teamwork that is required in the military is completely different than what it is on on a, you know, in any type of organized sports. So my, my biggest lesson that I learned was, you know, be who you are, but also know that you are responsible for everybody else around you, in a sense. And that's the way I try to live my life. You know, I give the shirt off my back to anybody and try to help anybody as much as I can. But uh, I also attribute my drive, even in the music industry or the promotions industry or in any job or whatsoever, for me to see the hill and take the hill. And I don't I don't normally stop until I've accomplished what I'm after. So that, that's that's mainly what I took from it.
0: So uh, where did you pick up the guitar? Because you said you did you were writing what was presumably like lyrics beforehand, but then you get to. Set yeah, I got out of boot camp and learned to play the guitar.
2: Yeah, I got out of boot camp and uh I went to comm school in 29 Palms, California, and I was out there for about 6 months. But whenever you're out in comm school before you get uh deployed to the fleet, the fleet marine force is like where you go after you do all your training, right? You go to your duty station and yeah. uh that's where you'll be stationed at until they rotate you out of it. So my girlfriend, the the story, the, the to back up for a minute, another reason I joined the Marine Corps was uh <laughs> I had a girlfriend at the time, and I I, my, I already had this conversation with my dad about joining, right? She broke up with me. I went to the recruiting office and told the recruiter, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it now. He actually had a ship date for the next morning. I signed the papers, and I left for boot camp the next morning.
0: Oh, less than four hours.
2: Yeah, I was in, I was at, I signed the papers at eight o'clock at night and I was on the footprints at four o'clock at Paris Island the next day.
0: Oh, wow. So. so, But your dad. This wasn't like you you ran away, like your dad had been having this conversation. Okay. So I imagine the girl that's in the equations probably not happy about all that.
2: No. Well, she, I mean, we split up and then, uh, you know, I just needed to get as far away as I possibly could. And that was kind of like my breaking point. But. To fast forward, whenever I got done with – whenever I got done with comm school, at the end of it, you get to choose the duty station you want. So, I picked Okinawa, Japan, San Diego, California, and Camp Lejeune, North Carolina as my last one because, you know –
0: That's three very different options, though.
2: Right. Exactly.
0: So, so what's the logic there?
2: Well – I wanted to be as far away from her in South Carolina as I could be. So that's okay. why I chose Okinawa.
0: Okinawa. Okay.
2: <laughs> so I was like, well, if I can't get Okinawa, if I get San Diego, I'm still far enough away from her.
0: I mean, yeah, one more step, you're in the water. So,
2: Yeah. But then I was like, well, if I get Camp Lejeune, then that just means the other two are crowded. And I'm just going to have to deal with it and, you know, marine up and be done with it. Which Camp Lejeune was only like five hours from my hometown. Okay. But luckily enough – I was, uh, I got orders to go to Okinawa and I was stationed at Camp Hansen, and I was there secluded for uh, a year. And when you're over there, you can't, you can't leave the island. So while I was there, you know, and we were training and doing what we do in the barracks, I actually had a, uh, uh, a roommate and his name was Lance Corporal McCool. And he's still a good friend of mine. He's actually a tattoo artist down in Pensacola, Florida. And I told him, I was like, man, I've always wanted to learn to play guitar because I saw him playing guitar in the barracks. And his roommate actually had a guitar that uh, he was getting ready to rotate off the island to come back to the States. So he sold me a Takamine guitar. And uh, that was the first guitar I ever owned, and I paid $50 for it. Okay. So McCool, McCool showed me a couple chords, like a G, D, and an A chord. And then I just started looking at, guitar magazines and searching for tablature and all this stuff and learning how to just strum and keep rhythm and play. So I did all that for about a year. And then, uh, whenever I got back to the States, I actually brought the guitar with me. And then I started playing bonfires and campfires or around the barracks. And we'd hang out and other guys would bring their guitars out and we'd pick and we'd sing. Right. So, but while I was in Okinawa, I got deployed to, uh, South Korea and, uh, Yeah, South Korea. So I did about 50 days in South Korea for a little while. And then I I went back to Okinawa, and then I got deployed to Camp Lejeune because that was my duty station. So they they changed my permanent change of station to Camp Lejeune. So whenever I got back to Lejeune, it was really awkward because the first time I came home in a year and a half, I walk into Walmart, guess who's standing there?
0: Yeah. The girl who broke
2: my heart. Oh my God, you look so good. We got to get together. I'm like, look, I got 10 days at home. I got to go see the family. I'll catch you on the flip side. And that was, that was, and then I was, and oddly enough, about eight years ago, I was playing a show in South Carolina and she showed up backstage at the show.
0: I was like, Hey, hey."
2: you know what? Yeah. It was a festival. She had came around to the back of the stage. She's like, Hey man, it's Brandy. I was like, I don't know who you are. She's like, well, it's so good to see you. I was like, good to see you too. I got to load out. And that was
0: (laughs) you blew her off once in Walmart, once at the backstage. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was. Is there a story like where you guys get together? Is that or or you go? Is there another blow off coming?
2: No, if there was a story we got together, I'm sure I'd probably be divorced by now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Nah, I just I just thought it was funny how you know you sit there and you think about the decisions you make in life, and that was her decision, and then everything just comes full circle you know what i mean and yeah. for me because it's like i had my heart broke i went and the best thing you know and i guess i can say her breaking my heart was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because had that not happened i wouldn't have had the motivation to go to the recruiting office like i did yeah had i not done that you know who knows what would have happened we could have ended up married or whatever the case may be and I never would have been I never would have been in the military and found out who I was and who I needed to be. So,
0: well you could have been that, doing honorable work in that hometown, but yeah, you wouldn't have likely gone around the world seen the exactly. you've fad, might not have ever picked up the guitar. Uh, you know, who knows. Chris, I know the uh, service is full of great times that
1: uh, I hear guys talk about, but from having talked to you before, I know that, that your particular interest in helping Uh, your fellow veterans who are struggling with some of the traumatic side of war comes from your own experience as well, that I know you've had some low time uh, when you were. Yeah, absolutely. Can can you share a little bit about that? Do you mind just kind of opening up? No,
2: no, I don't mind at all. Actually, it just resurfaced about a month ago. So let me preface this right now saying I am not a uh, combat veteran. Now, I got out in, what was it? I got out in May, April. No, I got out in March of 2001, right? So whenever I got out, we all know 9-11 happened, 9-11, 2001. And then everything just went to hell in a handbasket. The president's on the phone. Everybody's getting deployed to Iraq. My unit got deployed. I had some Marines who actually, uh, that were in my company, uh, were were in my unit and my battalion that actually suffered injuries from that. And one, one of my guys that was one of my Marines, he actually ran over a landmine and he lost 80% of his hearing. And, uh, you know, he's all jacked up now. But, you know, he's dealing with it. Now, he lives in Denver, Colorado, and his name's uh, Rudolph. So, but to back up before before all that happened, it was July of 2000. I had just gotten promoted to corporal and I got, I got promoted meritoriously and uh, I was assigned my fire team. Well, in this fire team, I had a Marine. He he wasn't like your picture perfect Marine or the epitome of the Marine Corps. He just kind of rough around the edges and he needed a little work. And his name was a uh, private sprinkle. Well, private Sprinkle was from Orangeburg, South Carolina. And with me being the new corporal, and the new NCO that had just been promoted, granted, my comm chief said, Hey, private sprinkles in your fire team i want you to get him squared away i was like okay master sergeant we can do that his name was my com chief was master sergeant branch so about two days later it was going towards the weekend i invited my fire team over to the barracks i was like hey guys we're gonna come over i'm gonna order some pizzas we'll hang out you know play some video games and whatnot and just kind of chill and get to know each other so we all come over Lance Corporal Sprinkles there, I'm there. Other two Marines, which was PFC Tatum and PFC Griffith, who were my other three Marines that were in my fire team. Uh, we was all just sitting there hanging out eating pizza, and, you know, we had a couple beers. Of course, we were of, of age, and, I mean, if you are of age and you are in the Marine Corps, chances are you're going to have a cold beer in your hand, right? So we're sitting in the barracks, and comes becomes 12 o'clock, then 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock. And this is on a Tuesday night. And in the Marine Corps, you have PT on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. And PT is physical training. And formation for PT is at 0530. So here it is at 0230 in the morning. And I look at the guys and I'm like, "Listen, we got you guys need to go back to the barracks, get some shut eye, because we got formation in three hours for PT." I said, you know, Master Branch, Master Sergeant Branch is gonna know all about it if we don't show up and we freaking slag behind. Cause I said, he used to be a DI on the on the drill field and you know he don't play. He's like, that's right. Private Sprinkle gets up, shuts off the video games, looks at me and says, Congratulations, Corporal Turner. I was like, Thanks, Devil Dog. I'll see you in the morning at formation. He walks back to the barracks and I get a call at four thirty in the morning. From the duty NCO, and says Corporal Turner, I need you down here at enlist the enlisted barracks. We got a problem with Private Sprinkle. I show up. Duty NCO tells me that Private Sprinkle hung himself and killed himself last night. So he left my room, went back to the barracks, stuck a well belt around his neck, and hung himself from his from his rack. And for the longest time. I tried to figure out if it was something that I missed. We got investigated by NCIS, wanted to know what his mood was, what our mood was, what would cause causing to do this. And I just – I never saw it coming. So, you know, I've kind of kicked myself around for years because of that, because there's nothing that I could have said or done. I mean, I I never saw it coming. And uh, I had one of my sergeants from my platoon – called me he got in touch with me he lives in puerto rico now about a month ago and he's having issues with it so he's been to the va trying to get counseling for it and all this stuff so you know it's one thing you know uh to hear of a marine committing suicide right but when it happened when it happened on your watch it's a completely different story
0: oh this wasn't even on your watch i mean this was a guy that this was a guy you knew i mean it's never just a guy you know but Man, this was within a three-hour time window. Incredible. Yeah,
2: and <laughs> the thing about it is, is like whenever they're assigned to your fire team, you accept responsibility for that yeah. marine and his action. Because if he does something in formation to mess up, guess what? The comm chief and the platoon sergeant, they're going to get you. They're not going to get him. So for me, it was more or less like losing. I mean, he wasn't my yeah. kid, but it was. He was. I was losing one of my marines. Well, I lost one of my marines. So that that was really hard for me. So to fast forward to when i got out and you know after everything went down with 9-11 and seeing all the marines get deployed and my unit getting deployed with it my cousin joined the marine corps he went over there and he got injured while he was over there he's a purple heart recipient and i was i moved to nashville around that time frame and i was like you know what i want to do something good with my music and i want to i want to Write about what I want to write about, but I also want to be able to give back to the veterans and try to dive into that veteran community and say, Hey, man, you know what? You can hear through my music and what I'm doing to realize that you're not the only one and you're not alone, and I want to be there to help you out. So, that's primarily my main focus for Red, White, and Boots, the American Made Project. Uh, I haven't even mentioned this. We're doing a a poker run with Randy Couture, and he's got a charity called the Extreme Couture GI Foundation. And uh, that's going to go down July 25th here in Nashville. And, uh, you know, we're going to donate all the proceeds back to the Extreme Couture GI Foundation from that poker run. And thanks to Crosswinds for being a uh, sponsor and a contributor to that. You guys are awesome for that. Thank you so much for being a part of it.
1: Oh, yeah. We're glad to be a part um, of that. Uh, before we move on, I want to go back just because you made a really important point that I, I want to make sure everybody got. Um, you said that this happened to you and you weren't a combat veteran now, we, right, exactly. we kind of have this idea that the only uh warriors who suffer with ptsd or moral injury or men or women who was serving on the front lines uh and exactly. experienced some traumatic event but that you know that's not the case in fact probably just as many if not most occur because of things that can happen Uh, during basic training even, or during their times of service, Uh, you know, your struggle, as you expressed, it was basically, maybe I could have done more. Maybe if I caught something, uh, Sprinkle would still be with us, you know, so you're you're dealing with the very same trauma that somebody on the combat field says, maybe if I had done more, uh, the guy who was serving on my right wouldn't be dead today. Uh, right it's it's that same trauma so you can relate you may not be on a combat field but you can relate to that experience uh but i think that's what if i hear you right you're saying kind of drives you it's you've been there It,
2: it does and i mean to take it one step further bob a lot of people fail to realize like the firefighter who rescued uh the firefighter who rescued the the burning baby from the house or the police officer who saw who had to pull the trigger because of, uh, you know, a robbery that was going down and he took someone's life or a sexually assaulted victim who's been involved in sex trafficking or, you know, uh, a child who's been involved in a child, a child abuse relationship. If you don't get some kind of mental help, uh, mental help for those particular situations, you know, PTSD, we all tend to put it in a small little box, right? but it's so much bigger than that i mean it affects more people in the world than people actually realize from a grand scheme of things you know but the veterans i think it's directly related to them currently because uh of our 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 given time in in the nation right now and because we're in uh in, in a wartime right now so but i mean it goes it goes a lot deeper than that and i think probably the, the the majority of the population are the veterans that are affected by it. But yeah, you're exactly right. For me, you know, not being a combat vet, I suffer, you know, the memories and the heartbreak and what, what did I do or what could I have done differently? And it's, it's affected me too. So yeah, you're exactly right.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and I love the fact that you do uh, try to help through your music. And, and I get that. Uh, when I met you you gave me a copy of your American made CD. And, uh, as I was driving back to, to Birmingham, of course, I popped it in to listen to it. Uh, you know, it's probably 35 minutes worth of music. And I listened to it the whole way back a two and a half hour drive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it was, I couldn't quit, uh, you know, uh, that I got home and I told my wife, I said, you got to hear this. This guy is great. I, I mean, this music is tremendous. And I popped it in for her and she's like, oh my gosh, he's as good as it. she starts naming all kind of, you know, guys on the radio with hits and all. And it is, it's, it's really fantastic music. I, I love your music, but I love the message of your music as well. And, and there's one song on there in particular that maybe you might tell a little bit about uh, this really talking about that vet who's, feeling down and out or, or by himself. And, uh, you, you developed a little message for him in one of your songs that I know that, uh, Randy Couture, you talked about was instrumental in helping you put on video. Yeah. I was yeah gonna ask
0: exactly. you, what, tell us one of the favorite songs you have. So that. Uh, uh, uh-huh.
2: My favorite song. Yeah. My, my favorite song is primarily the one that Bob's talking about. And yeah, it's called, what it was, what's the, yeah.
0: what, what's the title of it?
2: If you drink and, uh, you know the, the great thing is, is that song was actually written by uh, John Cirillo, Sarah Shepard, and Dan Reichsneider here in Nashville, and I'd had the whole American Made project written, right? But the guy that I was working to, working with at the time, he was like, "Chris, you know what? This is a town of songwriters. Let's throw the project to the town and see if there's anything that can beat anything you've got." I was like, "Okay," and I'll never forget it. I was sitting in the parking lot in Rivergate. Uh, uh, right there by Tuesday morning in Ryan steakhouse. And I got an, I was sitting there. I just came in from I I can't remember what store I was in. It's a little strip mall, but I, I'd gotten an email notification on my phone from John surreal. And I said, Hey man, I don't know if you're still looking for music, but I'd love for you to hear the song and take it into consideration. And I listened to the lyrics of it. And I was like, this is it. This is the song. And you know, It talks about, you know, the opening line is he was driving somewhere between Gallup and Winslow. And my first thought was, okay, this is really cool. But then when we got to the chorus, it's like, if you cheat, hope it's death that you're cheating. If you lie, lie with someone you love. If you fight, do it for the right reasons. And if you drink, come drink one with us. And all I could envision was a veteran who was going through such a rough time in his life, trying to find somebody just to express himself to you know, to where he's not drinking alone or he's not taking popping pills alone or whatever the case may be. So I'd met Randy Couture about three years ago at one of his charity events, and we kind of swapped numbers and we've just been friends ever since, right? So I sent him a text. I said, Randy, listen, man, I would love for you to listen to this song, and here's my vision for the song, the storyboard that I've got in my head for the song and the way it goes. I'd love for you to, you know, if you're free to come to town and act in it. He's like, man, I love the storyboard, and if you don't mind, I'd love to direct it. I'd love to be on the other side of the camera also, and I'll star in it. I was like, man, that's really cool. So he came to town, and we shot the video. Well, to preface it, the video is about a veteran who wakes up, and if you watch the video, you'll see, you'll see a bottle of uh, pills and a bottle of Jim Beam Black beside the bed in a hotel room, or a raggedy old hotel room that he's laying in. He picks up the bill pills and he throws them in the trash and the bottle of whiskey sealed completely tight so he grabs a bottle of whiskey and he goes off on a drive and he comes across his vfw and a bunch of his buddies are in there and they're sitting around and they're hanging out well then he leaves the vfw and he drives to the vietnam war memorial when well, he gets to the memorial he's got the bottle of whiskey with him and he's searching on the on the war memorial for a buddy of his and he finds him and then he pops the top on the whiskey and takes a drink so it's not it's not uh the, the meaning is a lot deeper than just drinking whiskey and hanging out at a bar. It's more or less like he was trying to search for some kind of clarity with his through his friends to deal with the pain and the suffering that he was, he was suffering so much from, from in this particular video, of the Vietnam war. And whenever he finds his buddy, he drinks one with his buddy. So that kind of capped it all off. And to have Randy be a part of that, you know, it was such an honor. And And that song, you know, is so powerful, and I'm hoping that we can continue on with the with the message and keep that song out there while we can. But I've got hopefully, uh, well, I do. I've got new material that I'm actually already got written and I'm ready to go get it cut. And you know, like this next project, it don't even have a name yet, but I think I'm gonna call it Scars because uh, one of the songs on it's titled Scars, and then another one's called God Loves Me, and uh, a song called Hero. And uh, I think we're toying around with a song called Little Things. And, you know, it's like a follow-up from the American Made project, but it's more on a uh, up-tempo, kind of like American Made was, but nostalgic side, if you will. So I'm really excited about those. It's going to be my new EP. i got a really great team that's really believes in what I'm doing, you know, just trying to get them around me and, you know, trying to move it forward and keep the momentum going. I've got a couple shows that – uh. Orange County Choppers this year up in New York, uh, you know, because they're doing a bunch of veteran stuff up there this year. And we're going to go up there, and uh, we're headlining, and uh, you know, June the 20th and August 28th this year uh, for some veteran events. So I'm really stoked to be a part of that and working with the Orange County Choppers team and just, just to be asked to do it is, is amazing. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff going on. And there's some stuff coming on at the end of the year that I can't really mention yet, but it's going to be mentioned at the Red White and Boots show May fifteenth, so you got to be there
1: And uh, right. we're playing in Birmingham, Alabama. And we'll do another podcast and talk about uh, that. Just it has something to do with freedom, though. We'll just say that. Uh,
2: yes, sir. But, but listen, <laughs> how,
1: next time I'm in Nashville, I'm expecting a copy of this new uh, EP. I'll need oh, something. Yeah. I'll need something to listen to on the way home. All right, so I want to get a copy. Of, really
2: good, man. I want to get a copy um, of that.
1: But your music's available. Uh, we want to give you an opportunity because look, I'm sold on it, and I'm a big promoter of your music. So tell folks how they can get that American-made EP or get some other Chris Turner. I know you got all kinds of T-shirts and hats. You got some really cool uh, stuff available as well. How do, how does somebody get that?
2: You can go to Chris Turner and I'm on every major, uh, digital streaming platform to where you can download or stream my singles on uh, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Google play, YouTube, uh, anywhere you can find digital music. You'll find me. Just go there and click download and you can get the record for like, well, the EP project, the American made EP project for like six 99, I think and 99 cents a single promise you, if you don't like it, I'll give you a money back guarantee.
1: Oh, they're going to love it. Yeah, I know that. Like and, and listen, just, uh, in case somebody doesn't know who Randy Couture is, uh, I think Randy was a vet himself, wasn't he? He served? At- he was.
2: Randy, Randy started uh, wrestling in high school, and then he joined the Army. And while he was in the Army, he joined the uh, Army wrestling team. Well, after that, he actually was an alternate for the U.S. Olympic team, I think, three or four times. But then after he got out of the Army and off the Army uh, wrestling team, he got involved with MMA in the UFC. So yeah, he started fighting in
1: Mixed martial arts, is that right?
2: Mixed martial arts, yes, and the Ultimate Fighting Championship. But one thing to note is, uh, and I don't think it's been broken, but he was actually at the time, one of his claims to fame, is he was the oldest heavyweight champion in the UFC. But he's since retired, and he's really focusing on his uh, – on the charity, the Extreme Couture GI Foundation. He's got a stream of uh, Extreme Couture gyms. Uh, he's got some apparel lines that he does through affliction. And uh, he's also an actor as well. So if you've ever watched the Expendables with uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone in it, he's in all four Expendables movies. So he's out in Hollywood doing his thing, and uh, still, you know, I talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's still training hard every day. Like you know, nothing's ever changed. So he's a uh, he's hardcore man. He, that, that's one that's one thing, you thing I really out, love. You about.
1: Hang out with some big company in high cotton, don't you? As we like to say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you know i just with this particular uh connection and and friend and Randy it, it just so happened you come across those people in life man to where no matter who they are who you are i mean you you either connect or you don't right so with he and i and he and him knowing my background and me knowing his background just we just we just really hit it off you know so it's uh I'm just really very, very, very fortunate to have him as a friend and, you know, have him to believe in what I'm doing. So I'm I'm just tickled to death to be a part of it. Well, brother,
1: we love what you're doing. Appreciate you being part of what we're doing. Love you as a friend. Glad to have you as a friend and be able to walk through life with you.
0: Let's let's give him the last word. Uh, Chris, tell us – don't even talk to us. Just talk to one of the veterans that may be out there or the family member of a veteran that may be struggling right right now, just as kind of as we sign off. Uh, Just what what would you say to them? Just kind of wrap it all up.
2: Fellas, ladies, warriors, all you guys, you're not alone. And you're not too far separated to where you can't get help. I know Centers of Hope has got this thing called – uh, no, I'm sorry. I know Crosswinds has got a thing called Centers of Hope. There's resources out there to go after and and people that you can confide in that are uh, actually care about you and they love you and they want to help you succeed and they want to help you fight your battles. The one thing that I really suggest is don't try to fight them alone because all them demons, those demons are built up inside of you and if you allow them, they'll take over. That's what we got people for, resources, and just... You know don't be afraid and don't be too too prideful to get help if you need help it's, it's okay to be humble because it's not nothing wrong with fighting a battle with a with a group of marines instead of trying to be hunkered down in a fighting hole by yourself so you know if you feel like you need help and you need somebody to to lean on there's resources crosswinds for instance the extreme couture gi foundation uh there's some other resources out there uh, uh, CommuniServe, you know, just get out there and find some help no matter where it may be or where you may be in the world. I love you. We love you. And we just want to see you succeed.
1: And if if you drink, what do you do? If you drink, yeah,
2: come drink one with us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate y'all. All Bye. Right. <laughs>